Hi there, and welcome back to Toxic Bliss, Surviving Narcissism with me, Awen Reese. Today's episode is a special one, and I'm excited to bring it to you. But before we start, a little background information. I'm recording this episode the week before Christmas in real lifetime. The holiday season has always been a wonderful, happy, and exciting time for me. Of course, my holiday season starts around the end of September, when the leaves change and the air grows colder, heralding in the beginning of my favorite time of the year. October's all about Halloween. The decorations, costumes, spooky movies, hoodies, and pumpkin spice everything. And then the transition into Thanksgiving, a time of friends and family, amazing food, and the Macy's Parade. As much as I love these holidays, they're simply a precursor to the real holiday in my house, Christmas. This year, I even broke my tradition, and I didn't wait till the day after Thanksgiving to put up the tree and start decorating for Christmas. I just couldn't wait. We also had some unseasonably cold temperatures for this time of year in Texas, which really got me in the holiday mood. Shopping, hot cocoa, wrapping presents, decorating, I was in it to win it. However, being so utterly possessed by the spirit of the season, I found it impossibly challenging to focus on this podcast series. Stopping the festivities to write about such an awful time in my life and dredge up all of those old memories of Mike and the pain that they bring with them was just too hard. Here I was completely ensconced in warm, loving holiday celebration with my family, happy and excited, and then I'd sit down to write the next episode and feel overwhelmed with cognitive dissonance-like feelings. I didn't want to look back at those bad times when the now time was just so perfect and filled with joy. It was a mighty struggle to get the previous episode done, and I was so glad it was finally finished and uploaded. Today's episode is different. I'm going to share the story of my life post-Mike, and how I met my current husband, and how my life changed in ways that I never could have expected. Yes, Mike will still make his presence known, but never again will he have that same level of control over me. Now begins the healing process with all of its ups and downs, but ultimately, success and freedom. I know. Spoiler alert. Oops. I'm sitting here at my desk writing this episode with a mug of sugar-free hot cocoa wrapped in a super soft, warm Christmas blanket, fuzzy socks on, Christmas music playing in the background. This is my bliss, and it took a very long time for me to understand that. So, let's get into it. In the last episode, Mike and I had broken up once again, and I was feeling very good about it. Something had finally clicked in my brain, and I knew, without any self-delusions, that Mike and I could never be together, and my life was better without him in it, even if that meant being a single parent. I was good at the single mom thing, and I enjoyed the drama-free, quiet, and dare I say boring times as a single parent far more than I enjoyed the companionship of Mike. I enjoyed it so much that I decided life was best this way. There were so many positives to being a single parent that I couldn't understand why anyone would want to do it differently. I could do whatever I wanted. I never had to watch those stupid movies that he liked and pretend that I liked them too. I could talk to anyone I wanted to without fear of his side eyes or jealous rages. I started to invite friends over again and spent many months healing those relationships that had suffered as a result of Mike's insistence that I distance myself from everyone but him. I had to atone for all of the things that I had done over the years to shield Mike and to cover for him. 
but mostly I apologized to everyone for all of the secrecy. Even my best friend, Vicky, who had pretty much saved my life before. I had lied to her and hidden the fact that Mike had come back several times because I knew what she'd think, and I knew that she'd be right. My apologies were sincere this time. I opened up and told those closest to me everything that had happened and the truth about Mike's abusiveness, and they were pretty shocked. But little by little, friendships were restored, healing was beginning, and hope had returned to me. I redecorated my apartment, as tiny as it was, but it still needed to be new and fresh and Mike-free. It was spring and the sweet warm breezes lifted my spirits. I would open all the windows and bask in the sunlight. There were large flowering trees along the street that I lived on, and they smelled so pretty. Along the back of the parking lot was a hundred-foot-long line of lilac trees, and I would cut huge bunches of them and place them in vases all around the apartment. Lilacs are a big inner child thing for me, but that's a story for another day. But they made me happy, and they brought back memories of a time unmarred by Mike. I had gotten back into my online life as well, reconnected with some old internet buddies, and I started studying again. Life was pretty good. I didn't have any money at all to speak of, but I had my own place, my kids were happy and healthy, and I had my friends and family back. In the evenings, I would visit some chat rooms on AOL. I'd strike up some great conversations, and I was comfortable with that level of engagement with others, especially men. I didn't want to meet a new boyfriend or date anyone. I just wanted to have friends and chit-chat. I had met up with a guy that I had known online for many years. Wicked Galdash was his screen name, and we had been talking since the late 90s. Not flirting as such, but maybe a little. But he had known the whole story of Mike and knew him as Earth Peach from way back when. So I filled him in on the rest of the story and we'd talk about everything under the sun. He was comfortable to interact with and absolutely hilarious at times. In fact, Wicked Galdash and I had almost met in person back in 1999 when I took a trip to Scotland. He lived in England, and we tentatively agreed to meet in Dumfries during my visit, but it just didn't work out for a variety of reasons, but we always kept in touch. One night, we had a long conversation about my new outlook on life. He had asked if I was going to start dating again, and I said, Hell no. Blech. Men. Yuck. Never. Ew. Cooties and other intellectual and reasoned statements like that. He said that I shouldn't close myself off to the possibilities. Not all men are like Mike, and that the universe would send me the right person when it was the right time. Yeah, maybe, I said reluctantly. In the meantime, I wasn't looking, and life was just fine by me. The next morning, I woke up to an email from him with just one word in the body of the text. It just said, Lick. Now, that may sound strange, but at the time in AOL culture, the word lick was often used as a greeting or parting phrase for someone you liked a lot. I looked at that email, staring at that one word, and sighed deeply and said, Ah, hell. I wrote him back a response, including a picture of a moth to a flame, and yelling at him for so deftly overcoming my new and clearly poorly built anti-male defense system. It had only been a few months since Mike left, and I certainly didn't think I wanted to even consider getting close to someone at that point. Yet, I was suddenly filled with butterflies in my stomach and an eagerness to talk with Mr. Galdash again. Oh, no, what was I thinking? Where was my resolve? 
How could one email wash all of that away? Ugh. That night, when he got home from work, we talked. For real. He called me from England, and although the connection wasn't so good and it was hard to understand his thick accent, I loved every second of our conversation. I learned a lot, too. Things I had never even suspected. Way back in 1999, when we were talking online, he was really eager to meet me on my trip to the UK. He was very interested in me in that way, but I really had no idea. I guess being blinded by Mike at the time, I was oblivious to other men in that way. He told me that he didn't pursue anything or tell me about his feelings because at the time he was married and had a young son and he would never have considered leaving for another woman. But he never stopped wondering if maybe in the future that would change once his son was grown and in college and established in his own life. Maybe. Just maybe. I was so surprised by that, and I suddenly felt terrible. All the times I'd talked to him about my relationship with Mike and all of that, not knowing how he had felt about me, that must have been hard for him to hear. But he laughed and said not to even think about it. He was just happy that we'd kept talking all these years, and now I was free of Mike, and maybe things would take a turn in his favor. I'm going to pause here for a word from my sponsor, and when we come back, Mr. Monkey Wrench tries to mess up my plans. Welcome back. Spring had turned into summer, and Wicked Galdash and I were still talking regularly, though now I called him Liam, having graduated from screen names to real names. We would talk online and on the phone every other day without fail. I had noticed a few trigger moments, though, things he had said or done that reminded me of Mike's behavior. But we'd always talk it through, and I'd come to realize that although things on the surface may have had some resemblance to Mike, the intention behind it and the way Liam would deal with my reaction to it were light years apart. It seemed that I had some hang-ups after being with Mike for so long, and I'd have to work on that and not unintentionally drive someone away because of them. In the meantime, Mike showed up one afternoon. He was outside of the building waiting for me when I went to go to the store. I yelped when I saw him and quickly composed myself and asked what the hell he was doing there. He told me that the place he was staying at had no hot water and he was wondering if I'd let him grab a shower real quick. Maggie was spending the day with her grandparents, so I hesitantly said, well, okay, as long as you're quick about it. We went upstairs and I let him in to use the shower. We didn't talk much at all and he went right into the bathroom and closed the door. I played with Mac, waiting for Mike to finish up and leave, because I still had to go to the store. After a few minutes, Mike came out of the bathroom butt-naked and toweled himself off. I rolled my eyes about as hard as anyone can roll their eyes and said, Is there some reason you can't do that in the bathroom? And I tossed his backpack at him so he could go in and get dressed. He stood right where he was and laughed, saying he thought I might like to see what I was missing. You do miss me, don't you? he asked, smiling, as if he was sure of the answer. No, I said. Put your clothes on and get out of here, please, I said flatly. Aw, come on, we can still be friends, can't we? Friends with benefits, maybe? No, get dressed, I said more insistently. Wait, what? Are you seeing someone already? God, I haven't even been gone six months yet. Talk about moving on, jeez. I thought you loved me. Guess I was wrong, wow. The absurdity of his words shocked me into a stunned silence. The look on my face must have portrayed that emotion rather accurately, because he continued on. I know, I know, it's confusing. Everything about us is confusing. 
but I still care about you and the kids. Thanks for letting me use the shower, honey. Is there anything you need? Anything I can get for you or the kids? How about some cash? I know I haven't been helping, but I did just get a job recently. He pulled on his jeans and then pulled out a hundred-dollar bill from the pocket and put it on the kitchen table. It's not much, and I know I owe you more, but maybe that'll help a little? I want you to see that I'm trying to fix my life and everything, and I want to take care of you guys. My facial expression had not changed, and words would not spill out of my mouth just yet. I'll get out of your hair, but don't forget about me. I'd like to come by and spend some time with the kids soon, but I'll call you, okay? He ruffled Max's hair and then grabbed his bag and left. I don't know how long it was before I was able to move again, but stunned, shocked, paralyzed, whatever the right word is, that was me. I shook my head and moved my feet finally, and I took that hundred-dollar bill because, well, I was broke as a skunk, and the thought of a shopping spree at the grocery store was motivation enough to get moving. I grabbed Mac and we set off. It was a few blocks to the store, but I was excited to get some real food, not just the kick cereal, peanut butter, and juicy juice that the Wicks checks allowed. We were going to eat tonight. Woohoo! As I pushed the stroller down the street, I had some time to process what had just happened. I wasn't having it. No way was I going to let Mike back into my world and mess up what was just beginning with Liam. But I reminded myself that Liam lived in England. He wasn't here. The chances of him moving here away from his entire family were about as slim as the chances of me moving to England. That relationship might not even stand a chance as much as I was wanting it to. Still, though, I didn't want Mike back. I was healing and getting happier by the day. I was starting to thrive again, and I didn't want to go back to that darkness. I stopped walking for a moment and shook out my arms and shoulders and sort of brushed off the Mike cooties that had gotten onto me. Nope, I wasn't even going to entertain the thought of Mike again. When he showed up next time, I would simply tell him to go away or I'd get a restraining order. Period. Done. Over. Having made that mental decision, I proceeded to the store, happy and clear once again. I spent every dime of that money that Mike had left and had a very hard time loading all of the bags in the stroller around Mac to get it all back home. But we managed it. Mac wasn't too happy about being squished in there, but he lived. I got home and brought everything upstairs, including Mac and the stroller. It was in those moments that I cursed being single. Those darn stairs, oh, how I hated them. I made a pepperoni and cheese stromboli for dinner that night, one of Maggie's favorites, and got the kids settled in for the evening. Finally, it was time to talk to Liam again. I'd been waiting all day to tell him about Mike's stunt and see what he thought of it. He was less than pleased, to say the least. He was a little panicked, thinking that Mike would be able to weasel his way back in and I'd cave eventually and take him back. I assured him that I would not do that but he was understandably concerned. He was also worried that I had taken the money from Mike, which might make Mike think I really did need him after all. And I explained that in my current situation, a hundred dollars for groceries was monumental. I was still on food stamps and WIC at the time, which gave me a weekly food budget of about forty dollars after diapers, and it was a struggle to keep us all fed. Liam was aghast. He had no idea that my financial situation was that dire. Liam was rather well off and hadn't really understood, because I was honestly too embarrassed to tell him, and I hadn't shared the reality of things. There was a night a few weeks before this when 
we were talking and he heard maggie in the background saying that she was hungry and i told her to just eat her toast and she'd be fine liam had asked what we had for dinner why was maggie so hungry i told him that we'd run a little short that week and had peanut butter toast for dinner but i'd get groceries the next day it was fine liam had been upset about that and had instantly sent me twenty-five dollars via paypal to order pizza for the kids for dinner which i did i was so thankful as were the kids of course but I still didn't tell him that this was more of a daily reality than a one-off for poor planning. But now he knew, and he didn't like this one bit. He made me promise to tell him whenever we needed food and he would provide, rather than taking money from that weasel Mike. I promised, but I never planned on following through. That just seemed so wrong to me. But at the same time, knowing that I could ask for help if I really needed it, that was kind of amazing. A few weeks had passed with no further contact from Mike when I began to relax again and forget about him. Liam was talking about arranging a trip to come to the States to visit, and I was growing more and more excited about a possible future with him. There had been some moments along the way where I realized that the specter of Mike hadn't fully left my psyche. For example, I had met a delightful friend from Wales who was helping me with my linguistic studies, she was rarely online, so I tried to capitalize on time I had with her to practice. Liam would sometimes show up online at the same time and want my attention, naturally, but this would trigger the memories of Mike causing such a stir about who I talked with online that Liam and I would end up having a fight about it. Once I had explained what Mike used to do, Liam understood my seemingly over-the-top reaction, and we were able to discuss it in a healthy way and come up with some mutually agreeable compromises. I learned early on in my relationship with Liam to tell him clearly whenever something evoked a similar response. Not to make Liam change his behavior, but to explain mine. From his point of view, I would become irrationally angry over some simple thing, and he couldn't fathom my response. Once I explained the connection to that event with Mike's behavior, it all became clear and he helped me to learn to differentiate between the two. Liam would learn to navigate my triggers, and I would learn not to react like a maniac. It would be a lifelong process. The damage a narcissist does to their victims is so psychologically impactful that it feels like it never goes away or fully heals. We simply learn to work around it and through it. Having a healthy relationship with oneself and with others and especially having a partner that can understand it, can make all the difference in the world. In the next episode, Mike pulls out all the stops to try to prevent Liam from becoming a permanent part of my life. Tune in to find out who wins. Until then, thanks for listening, and take care. People ask me what my secret is, I just know.